Good morning, everyone. So it's great to be here this morning um, and to continue this series on looking at Jonah. Um, In my short experience of preaching, I'm finding that as I prepare the lead up to the preach, I seem to go through some strange things that are related to what um, I'm preaching about. I know Joanna mentioned a few weeks ago that there was the storm the week of the the, the week that she was preaching, and um, this past couple of weeks has has been really strange. Um, so I came down with flu a week and a bit ago. Um, but the day before I came down with the flu, I went for a walk, and it was a beautiful day. Um, just the most beautiful, wintry, nice, frosty morning, sun shining. And I just had got to a place where I felt really broken and really um, aware of my own brokenness, um, my sinfulness, how disobedient I am, how inadequate I am. And it really hit me, and it was quite depressing, actually, for this most of this walk. Um, and I came to my favourite spot, where the, that beautiful tree is that I've spoke about before. And as I was looking out across the beautiful hills and the surroundings that we live in, the verses in Psalm 121 came to my mind, which are, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And it was so odd that the, the point in which I really experienced my brokenness I knew my own need for a saviour and a helper who's in God. And when we lift our eyes to the hills, he's there, he's waiting for us. And I started to wonder if this was the point that Jonah got to um, when he asked the men in the boat to throw him overboard. Maybe he'd realised, oh, this is me, I've been disobedient, I've turned away from God just throw me over, I'm, I just need to go and you'll be okay. Um, and then the really odd thing next was I then had about three days and three nights in bed with the flu and I could not move and it really felt like I was spending time in the belly of a fish. <laughs> um, I was on my own, um, John was at work, the boys were at school um, I had so much time in this weird, quiet house, only in the thoughts of my head, and it was really, really odd. And as I started to get better, I was thinking a lot about these verses that um, I'm about to read in chapter 3, and it really was thinking about God, full of grace and mercy, yet requiring repentance And what can we learn from these verses that follow Jonah's time in the belly of a fish? Um, So I'm going to now just read the whole of Jonah chapter 3, which is verse 1 to 10. If you want to follow as well, that's fine. So I'm going to read um, from Jonah chapter 3. 
And it says that then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim uh, proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city and he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. So it seems really funny to me that as Jonah emerged from the fish, he went to preach to a nation. And here I am preaching to you after my time in bed. (laughs) I take great encouragement in the fact that he preached an eight-word sermon and everyone responded. Um, My sermon will be a little longer, and I haven't got sackcloth here, I'm afraid. Um, But I do pray, and I have been praying, that something of what I share will speak to you at a personal level. But if I could preach this in eight words, what what would I say? What would it be? It's quite tricky, actually, to condense it into eight words. Um, But I'll have a go. It would be, look up, repent. He'll show you another way. Shall I, I'll go and sit down now, shall I? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll expand just a little bit. So um, I believe that through this passage, we can learn that when we look up to him, God gives a second chance. He gives a new voice and he gives another perspective Um, The first verse in chapter 3 is, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God gives Jonah a second chance. So Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. We read that it was a very important city and would require three days to get across. There would have been a population of about 120,000, which was a large city in, in those times, and it was about 60 miles wide. And Nineveh, we read about in other places in the Bible as well. It was founded by Nimrod shortly after the flood in Genesis 10, and it's also referred to in 2 Kings chapter 19 and Isaiah 37. 
And Assyria began the process of conquering Israel. And Jonah clearly saw this nation as an enemy and feared what it would eventually do. They were a brutal and a cruel nation. And the prophet Nahum describes them as lions. And Zephaniah also predicts its destruction. So when I thought about how Jonah must have felt towards these people that he was being called to go to, I thought, is it any wonder he ran away? He may have thought that God had got it wrong. He couldn't possibly want Jonah to go to those people, could he? They were destined to destroy his own nation and people. But in God's grace and mercy and following Jonah's repentance, he gives Jonah a second chance. And Jonah is actually the only prophet that we read about that is given this second chance in this way. Um, And the book of Jonah is amazing how much of it mirrors so much in the New Testament and how this book has been written. And it is really wonderful how um, even within the book it's it's mirroring other um, verses. So in um, chapter 1, verse 1, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And in chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Chapter 3, verse 2 says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And God, in his grace and mercy, gave Jonah a second chance to respond in obedience to his call. But God requires the repentance. He required it of Jonah before he spoke to him a second time. Jonah had reached rock bottom Literally, in the belly of this great fish at the bottom of the sea, Jonah knew he'd messed up. He knew the extent of his brokenness and his need and desperation to look up to God. And as Jonah poured out out his heart to God, that we read in chapter 2, God poured out his mercy and grace on Jonah And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The need for repentance in this book is not just for the cruel city of Nineveh, It is also for the well-respected prophet, Jonah. So God spoke to Jonah a second time. He gave him a second chance. But God also gives Jonah a new voice to go to Nineveh with. He gives him a second chance and a new voice equipping him with boldness to walk through a city of people that are cruel and they're like lions And Jonah preaches an eight-word sermon for three days.
40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. I'd just like to take a moment just to imagine you are Jonah. You're walking into a large city, say London, maybe, even Guildford, um, and God tells you to call out a simple yet very strong message. I think if it was me, I'd have been like, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Okay, done it. I've done it. I've been obedient. No, Jonah didn't just say it once, did he? Three days he walked through Nineveh, calling out 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned over and over again across a large influential city full of people that are cruel and destructive. He took those eight words and spoke them over and over again. I can't help but thinking that that would have required the divine help and boldness from God to do that. And and 40 days carries great significance Throughout the Bible, it, it's it, um, often 40 days precedes breakthrough. So the flood lasted 40 days and 40 nights. Moses spent 40 years wandering in the desert before they reached the promised land. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness before his ministry began. There were 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. There's so much in the Bible about the significance of this 40. And here Jonah is preaching 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. So there's going to be breakthrough following 40 days. And what is amazing is that the people of Nineveh actually responded They were ready. They listened to Jonah and they repented. And then word gets to the king and he rose from his throne, took off the royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth and he sat down in the dust. And this makes me think about the verses in Matthew in chapter 9 where it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And Jonah, too, was going through the streets of a great city, proclaiming the word of God. It seems like the harvest was plentiful, and Jonah was obedient, and he went into the harvest field, and they were ready to repent. Um, So most of chapter 3 is is devoted to this response of the people of Nineveh. They repented in their heart and there was also an external and a visible sign of their repentance. 
So in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, it says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that, that mean? Not only do the people and the king of Nineveh repent, there is also fruit in keeping with repentance. This means that there was an outward display of what was going on inwardly. When a child does something really mean, or I can quite easily think of my own children here, when there's some some mean stuff going on and you, you tell them you need to say sorry, that's not acceptable, um, they say sorry and then they just carry on doing what they were doing before, it's really frustrating. You feel like you're not sorry at all, you're just you're saying it but you're not actually changing your behaviour. But producing fruit in keeping with repentance is about being there being a visible sign that you are sorry. Something changes in your behaviour. And this is what happened that we read about in Jonah chapter 3. The king issued a proclamation saying, Do not any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And the people of Nineveh believed the words that he was saying through the prophet Jonah. They turned away from idols to serve the true and living God. And it goes on to say, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. And while Jonah had interpreted the word overturned as them being destroyed, God meant that Nineveh would be turned around or converted And God in his mercy didn't give Nineveh what they deserved, but relents and turns away from his judgment with love and compassion. And this is a promise available to everybody. God gives a second chance to Jonah. He gives Jonah a new voice of boldness to preach the message of God to a plentiful harvest. And finally, I want to share that God gives a new perspective as well. So God's grace and mercy is for all nations. And as we've been studying this book, the theme of mission has been running throughout it. And Jack started this series looking at God's heart for all nations and the, and the great commission. And Jonah is sent to preach to a nation, to the harvest which, got, which Jesus later tells us is plentiful. And the amazing thing about mission is that it gives you a new perspective. It causes you to look up and see things from a different point of view. I've been really blessed to have been able to go on a few mission trips So as a teenager, I went to Ghana, and then after I graduated, I spent some time in Thailand. And John and I went to the Balkans with Tim Grant, who I know a a few of you will know. 
And each time I went away, I came back with a different perspective. In Thailand, we used to visit this Burmese camp where immigrants of Burma would would come and they'd work on these building sites. They had no rights as citizens in Thailand, um, were treated really badly. They were they were housed in these corrugated irons or lean-tos on this um, kind of housing camp next to the building sites. And each week we would take um, a pot of curry and a pot of rice and we'd just go and spend some time in one of the little homes and do a short Bible study. Um, We never knew how many people would turn up, but there was always enough curry and rice to go round. And there was also this one mum there, um, quite a young mum, and she'd had a baby, and the hospitals don't treat them very well either. Um, And she was told that her baby had died, and she was just sent away. But this incredible story of three days later, there was this nurse that had managed to somehow find this woman and said, your baby is still alive. And she had been um, caring for this baby and was able to reunite this baby back with the mother. And she called him Moses. And we used to take um, milk powder to baby Moses and so she could look after her little baby and we used to play with the children there and they were so happy and it was just such a time of coming out of your own situation and seeing something so different Um, and while I was there we also worked with women that were trapped in prostitution and they were not there by any choice of their own but they felt they had no other choice but to earn money for their family. So there was one girl that was um, studying um, to be an accountant and her family, who were um, farmers, had had a really bad harvest. So she had to leave her studies and go and work in prostitution to help support her family. And in Bulgaria, John and I met an uneducated pastor in a gypsy village who was totally illiterate. Um, But one day he encountered Jesus and he could immediately read the Bible. And he went on to lead a growing church in the heart of this gypsy community. And we were involved in a holiday club there and all these children were coming every day. Um, And it was a real squish and it was just amazing that this pastor was doing what he was doing. But we don't need to travel to gain a new perspective. When we look up we can gain a new perspective in our local community. Coming into contact with people in desperate need through money advice, the wave, the food bank, it gives you a new perspective. And not just them. Also those with a huge amount of everything, they need God too. When we look up from our own circumstances, we can see a God of mercy and grace waiting for us with love and compassion. God's heart for mission gives a new perspective. It's not all about me. 
God is doing something greater and the harvest is plentiful. He wants us to journey with him and his love is not confined to one nation. I just now want to return to where I began with those verses from Psalm 121. My eyes look to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We need to look up in order to see God at work. We need to look up in order to hear him speak for the first, second, third time. We need to look up in order to receive a new voice of boldness. We need to look up in order to see things from his perspective. And it all begins by looking up. As we come back to a um, time of worship, let us just begin by looking up. Let us, as Dave challenges a few weeks ago, to posture ourselves towards God. By lifting our hearts in worship, we are looking up. We're looking to the hills. We're recognising our need for our own repentance and for God to be at work in our lives. Maybe in response to this, this looking up, this turning to God, maybe something of what I've shared might have spoken to you. It might be that you are simply in that place where you need to know God more. Maybe you're in a time of being in the belly of the fish. Or it might feel like you you need a second chance or to hear God again. Let's repent this morning. Let's turn to him. He's all for second chances and third and fourth. He's always ready, waiting for us. Or perhaps you need another perspective in a situation that you're in. Keep looking up. Repent. He will show you another way.